Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purple Stars podcast. I'm Sarah, your host. And as we promised, we have another episode with Ben Yu. You are in for a real treat. We are going to talk about a very personal part of his life. And please welcome him back. Ben, you have so many amazing life stories. And I wonder, because we talked a lot about in the last episode, a lot about connection. What helps you to establish trust with people? Because often you connect with people that you've never met before. These are strangers and you yeah. capture them in one of the most vulnerable moments. Is there yeah. something from all the experience you have, with, what you could share with us, what helps you to build trust? I... To start, I'm sort of an introvert person because, you know, black children, family and all that. I do zero negative self-confidence. I didn't have that. Like, it took me years to pick that up. I had a few friends that gave me a bit of confidence boost along the way from school. And then I became, I went to sales role and I'm not good at sales. I mean, I'm, I, I think uni days when I was in UK, Newcastle, uh, up north, and they got this Geordie accent and really hard to understand. And they asked me to, you know, make cold calls and, you know, stuff like, man, I could not, I could not call the boss. Look at me, I got fired straight at the same day. Well, I wasn't fired, but I wasn't hired. It was like a test. So anyway, I, I know that, oh, gee, I need to work on that stuff, you know, work on the confidence first and then work on the connection. So, but I didn't know how. So I take up, I took a few sales roles and I started learning about uh, people. All right. I learned about confidence and how to connect. But what I didn't, realize is that it's like learning you have a lot of input but when it is time you output say i can learn french in like a year i just read about it i memorize all the stuff but when i go out and speak it's entirely different if the words <laughs> is stuck in the mind it cannot get out so you know like okay how do i you know line it up though string the words together you can't because you just didn't have enough practice so practice you know you improve on that so <clears throat> having said that so i know i I realized that when I was young, because, you know, most of the people are studying, you know, my, my, my siblings are studying, my cousins all, 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 all the, you know, A scores and all that, they study. But what I did not study, I watched TV. I watched a lot of TV, a lot of movies. And that my dad used to be so sarcastic. It wasn't like a motivational thing. It's like, oh, one day maybe you work in Hollywood, you know, maybe, you know, it's not going to work for you. It's like, you know, stop watching TV and go study. So, or, or read a book. I don't read books. So I just don't have the capacity to go more than five minutes. My mind doesn't work that way. So anyway, when I watch a lot of movies, but what I learned from that, I didn't realize until like, you know, much later in life to know that while I was watching movie, I was learning body language. I'm picking up drama. Like you watch like some of mom watch some, you know, like say bold and beautiful stuff. Like, man, that acting is terrible because they need to act so hard to show you how they feel. But the good actors and actresses, they don't have to do that because it's subtle, but you get it. And I'm getting the subtle body language and I'm learning that without realizing I'm learning that. So I've been watching years and years. I watch nearly every movie I can watch and there's no other movie for me to watch TV series. So I watch that. Anyway, then I start connecting the dots, you know, about connecting the dots to see that, okay, I can read body language really well now because of the movies I watch. And now I need the confidence to connect that and speak to someone. Now, yes, you can speak to someone, but would they listen to you? All right. So that's where I start to, again, learn from the movies, pick up from experience and all progressing. It is not a one-off thing. I, I learned along the way, make my mistakes, make my fair share of 
saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. It probably get me in trouble a few times. Things I should not say, I say sometimes. So anyway, as I learned along the way, I learned on how to connect with people. So that's another piece of the puzzle for me to, yep, now I've got a bit more confidence. I know how to read body language, but how do I connect? So then I realized one thing that I have, I think it could be a tiny gift that I have, is I'm curious about people. I, I'm, I want to learn something from someone when I speak to, say, even, you know, anyone I met on the street or, or, or you even, you know, anyone that, that I cross paths with. <laughs> I always believe, I don't care how young they are or, or which industry they are in or whoever they are. The, I know I some, sometimes, most of the time, I can learn something from them, even if it's a small thing. I'm just waiting to pick out the, the, the key words or key point could inspire me. So when I have a chat with people, I listen. I ask the question that not like a journalist would ask to try to pick something else to talk about or be controversial about it. No, I I genuinely interested with that in that person's story. And like for example, I like to talk about passion, like how this project came about. It's just having a conversation first. But because I'm curious, I want to learn myself. Like, why do you do what you do today? Why? What is your why? Why do you do this? And then they start saying, oh, actually, no one asked me that in many years. I, you know, I know that. I knew that. But I moved on from there and I started doing that. So you asking me reignited my passion or, or let me share my story, how I got started. And it's like, I like the story. I, when you start saying that, like, this is where I'm going. That's why sometimes when I share, I go off track a bit because I feel... I can't just give you an answer there because it, it's like giving you a chorus of the music without a crescendo, without a build-up, and mm. without understanding the backstory behind it. You need the backstory behind to understand. So I needed that, and I learned from there to 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 genuinely listen and understand. So I guess to answer your question, like how I connect with people, is I genuinely like to know more about a person, and in their life, it's not about what you achieve. Is how, what got you there? What is the voice in your head that you think I can learn from? And to know that, like, sometimes I open up a bit, or it depends because that's where the learning body language works. Some people just don't want to talk. You know what? You can't apply the same <laughs> technique for everyone. It doesn't work that way. When I look at someone, I say, no, I'm not going to go there. There are some people I find, like, say, I shoot, I, I shoot on a wedding day. When I rock up, there are people that shoot three, four weddings like back to back and good on, good for them. They do that. I don't. I like one or two max a week. I try, if possible, only once a week because I want to build that up. My my, I, I look forward for the wedding that rather than rock up the next day for your wedding. I say, how was yesterday? Well, I don't know. I finished at 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm very tired. But yeah, today's your wedding. So how do you feel? <laughs> Not so good, right? Because, man, I gave 110% yesterday. So maybe I got like 5% left. Can I build that up? Trust me. That's not going to work. Seriously, you don't have the energy or capacity to do that. Even your number one triathlon athlete and all that, it's just your mind. It's not a physical thing. It's also the mind thing. So when I rock up, I look forward. And there are many weddings when I rock up, the bright energy was low. It's really low because obviously it's stressed out. Is my dress not ready and this and that. You, you get all that. But when I rock up, I rock up with energy to say, hey, everybody, what's up? You know, and I like, blah, blah, blah. So I lift up the and my, my role as a photographer is not just to capture that whatever happening. I need to lift the energy up 
give it a bit of pumping and say, hey, you look good. You know, what is this? Oh, the dress. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Check out the ring. How heavy is this? I come in with stupid jokes and all that just to lift the atmosphere. I want to start laughing a bit, having some fun. That's where I can start capturing happiness or interesting uh, vibe or just fun or just the energy levels. They may not be laughing, but at least it's more positive. It is more lively. And my image captures that. But there are photographers who likes a bit of melancholy vibe, bit of dark, moody, <coughs> sorry, which is good. Uh, but that's not me. You, you, you. Everyone have a different voice. So my voice is energy, laughing, uh, a lot of jokes. And the funny thing is, yeah, you know, I throw some dirty jokes sometimes because people seem to like that. So they laugh, and it's like, oh my god, you just said that, and blah blah blah. We laugh, but. I don't just throw dirty jokes and make you laugh because I need to know if it's safe to do that first. So I sort of set my line and, you know, test the water a bit. I say, oh, they are good. I can't just, you know, as I say, I built that up pro progressively. So throughout the day, I can say anything I like, make anyone laugh and then get all the best shots. And when it's time to get romantic, I'll say, you know, something that, you know, set them a bit of a scene and all that. Then I make them laugh again. Then the laughter with a close, uh, you know, close up shot. So I, I, I sort of created all that moments, but it's candid. And when my second shooter sort of tried what I did, it didn't happen and it felt really awkward because he did not build that up. He did not mm. build the trust and, and, and connection yet. And he is not me. I mean, he can do his way, but you can't use my joke this way because it sounds wrong and awkward, wrong place, wrong time. And he did, I'm like, oh my God, you just say that. You can't say that. But I can because I build up from the morning. So it's about building the trust to know that I'm a friendly person. Whatever I say, whatever I share, whatever question I ask, you don't have to answer. You don't have to act it out. You don't have to follow what I do. For me, it's just pitching and trying to loosen your grip in a way to hopefully you have more fun. So it's just to take, to distract you from your current mindset. So that is my role. So if it requires me to throw some stupid jokes, dirty jokes and fun jokes or whatever it is, or even a bit of insult at times or puns, I get away with it because the context is right. Even it sounds wrong, but the context is right. But obviously, I, I'm quite careful with what I say. I say that, but I think and I test the water first. So that's how I connect with people. Even for a commercial shoot, I do a lot. Of, well, I don't, I wouldn't say I do a lot. I, do, I did some corporate headshots when I first said no to. And then I said, everyone said, oh, it's a corporate headshot. So boy, the CEO come in with a, uh, a very unhappy face. Why the hell am I doing this? Why do I need to do this? Because my comms department said I needed this. So he come here as a really long face. I'm like, hey, how's your day today? I was like, oh, I don't know. I just need to get it done with. I said, I got, he said, oh, you got 15 minutes. Now I got five. I give you five. I'm like, shit. Okay, I'm going to um, figure things out. So don't focus on how much time I have. Focus on what I can do. So I just mm -hmm. like, hey, so... So you've been the CEO for many years here. So yeah, why? <laughs> Just caught you off guard a bit. It's like, it's like, wow, you know, because you know, you know my, my dad passes on to me, or I, and then I ask questions slowly. I I start laying lay, layering the question, guiding them that we became sort of really close. And he start then I, I I need to share a bit of my story as well. I said, hey, I'm doing this because I love what I do, but actually a bit of backstory. I did this, 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 I'd be a problem. That's like, so I I open up a bit so he can open up a bit. So a bit like what you just mentioned, you know, sharing what you have does have it does. So and that's why I need to go through as many as I can, drama in life, so I 
can apply more <laughs> when I connect with people. So, and that's how I help people open up and be themselves and forget the camera because it's not a photo shoot. It's a conversation that I'm capturing. That's it. Wow. I love that. And I wonder, you're so good with opening other people up. What does someone need to do to build trust with you? Build trust with me, meaning mm. for me to open up or for them yeah. to open up? For you to open up. Because you are usually the one behind the camera, the one asking the question, yeah. the one capturing the moments. Yeah. What does someone else need to do to capture Ben you? Yeah. Now, that's a, that's a very good question. It's exactly the same as what I did, but opposite on the other end. Meaning, if we have gone through certain things together, I, I think I was in a cab once. And it's, oh, sorry, Uber once. And, and for some reason, is it how things I said, wow, I am amazing. I'm alive today. I'm good. Yeah, I'm given a second chance at life. I've just gone through, you know, cancer and all that. So he said, hey, what? I just gone through that like last year. Oh, no, sorry, not last year. It's probably five years. I can't remember the whole thing. But man, when you connect with someone because of your past experience that you've gone through, you don't need many words. Like from a survivor to another, from another dramatic things they've gone through with another. So when you connect, you don't need to experience, you don't need to share the pain or the challenges or the journey. We get it without words. And we connected straight away and said, man, I, oh, well, how, you know, like, then we ex we don't share the past, but we share how we take opportunity of what we have today to what we can do tomorrow, the next day, how we give back to the community, what we can do. So it's sort of, I wouldn't say something that I can pinpoint on. It's like, that's one thing that, that, you know, that word that people can get me to open up. It's more towards what you have experienced and so happen we experience the same thing or through depression or through the going to a dark moments or through some stupid thing you've done in life, like losing, you know, the bad sense of direction and all that. We can laugh about it, but we feel it. You don't have to explain to me that how it feels to get lost and, you know, have more incident or drama stack up because of that stupid mistake. I get it because I've done it all. I've get lost in so many places and all that. I get it. So how people connect with me is by sharing their experiences that I, I can straight away connect the dots that I, I, I went through exactly that last year. I did that last year. And that's when I feel that we are on the same page and that it helps to open up. But yeah, it's, yeah, I guess it is the experience. Yeah. That connects and helps me to open up when they share about that. Yeah. And you said you had cancer. Could you tell us a little bit more about it? What kind of cancer did you have? How did you find out about it? And Maybe also, how did it impact your life? Okay, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> we have lots of time. Yeah, I was traveling a bit, I think 2019. I was flying a lot and doing a bit of a cool tour. And I think I was living the dream. Oh, I said, okay, like we all think, you know, pre-COVID and all that. 2020 is going to be amazing. We are like, we're going to kill it. And I look at my schedule for 2020 and 2021. I was like, oh, it's amazing. My bookings and I'm traveling again. Looks good. And then on my last trip in Morocco, I think. Anyway, prior to the trip. Now, because of my flight, I do quite a few flights. Every time the plane ascend and descend, 
like your eardrums pop in and out. That's what I learned from the specialist. So when the plane descends, your eardrum pops in, it creates a bit of pressure. Now, normally people will have the nostril path and nasal, whatever. It passes through that to, to take out the pressure. That's why you, your, your, your ear pops, you know, so that sort of work. Well, my ear did not pop for a day, for well, first three hours, then a day, a week, a month, three months. Man, it's been five months, it did not pop, and it hurts like hell when it, it descends every time. So I went to a specialist and checked and said, oh, you know, it's, we just got to pop your eardrum, release the pressure, and yeah, that could be just it. But normally it happens to kids, but men of your age, I think, I just get some samples and just to check. So I, I was put on sleep, put uh, uh, on the, you know, all, all this medical thing. And then she collected the sample and I didn't hear from them. So that was towards the end of the year. I went to my trip, my shoot, came back, beginning of the year, I think 1st of January or something, which is, no, 1st or 2nd of Jan- 2nd January, because 1st January is still closed. <coughs> 2nd of January, I have an appointment with her maybe mid-January. So 2nd of January, she called me up and said, you, you better come in. I'm like, well, I got no thoughts because I feel 2020 is going to be amazing. That was before COVID hit, you know, Australia as well. So, and I went there and she sat me down and said, Ben, yes, you have cancer because there was a bit of doubt there at first, but I still wasn't prepared for that. Now, the next intelligent question, like everyone would have asked, and you watch, I watch a lot of movies to know that the question you should always ask is how much time do you have? I forgot to ask that. I was in deep shock. I could not believe my ears. And the first thing I think of wasn't like, how much time do I left? It's like, man, I got a wedding next week. I got a few weddings outline. How do I shoot a wedding? How, how is this? I, I'm just thinking about clients I, and my work. I forgot to ask that. So I was so shocked. They said, now I might take this, this report and go home and process that. So I came home and I spoke to my wife. I told my wife that, 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 you know, I had cancer. She could not believe me. She thought I was joking or she was, I was lying. I kept saying, no, this is real. This is real. She could not many times. I showed the, the moment I took her response, like, oh yeah, looks like it's real. It's going. Then, then she asked me, I, I, I think she asked me, I, I'm quite sure she asked me, how much time do I have? <laughs> like, I forgot to ask that question. I forgot to ask that one important question. How much time do I have? So I'm like, okay, I got to call up my specialist, but she's so busy until next week she can meet me. So I won't be meeting her until next week. And gee, for the next two to three days, I look at my kids, my wife, like it's the last time. I don't know if I'm going to live a day, a week, a month, a year. I don't know all that. I don't know if I've got time to, to, yeah, how much time do I have left? I didn't know that. And that was hard because that roller coaster ride, just when I thought I've experienced it all, done all the crazy thing in my life, that was next level stuff. I, for the first time, well, probably not the first time, but I would say the first time that big, that I have no control of my life at all. There's nothing I can do. Just let go and let God or whatever comes, just take it uh, because I can't do anything about it. It doesn't matter if you start working out and get you healthy. It's not going to change the fact that you're probably going to die just when, like today, tomorrow, next week. So that few days was crazy. I've never experienced that before. And then I was lucky in the sense that the report also was sent to my GP. So I saw my GP a few days later. And then he said, Ben, you got time. Ah, it's all right. You got more than two years. You know, your clock haven't started ticking yet. So you bet you have time. So that is like, okay. So I'm going to set up my wheel, check out my savings and plan out financially, prep for my family. But yeah, at least I had time. I, I, 
you know, I feel that, okay, I got time to prep now. I got two years, come on, I got to work this out. Well, more than two years, well, from what he said. So I start planning, you know, what I need to do. So when I met uh, the specialist, then they, they refer me to the oncologist and they say, uh, you're, you're good. I mean, it's very treatable. It's stage one. It's like, oh, sounds good. I was lucky because it was found early. So the cancer is in my nasal something. So honestly, I can't remember the whole lengthy name of nasal figures or something. It's somewhere in there be between the nose and the ear and all that. So um, so yeah, we we got to start your just radiotherapy and that's it. I'm like, oh, cool. I think I got this, you know. And then the next day, call me in event. It just went to stage two. We're going to add the chemo in it as well. So it's going to be a long one. I was like, what? It's just a few days and all that. It's like, okay, so it's, 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 it's scary. Now it's growing. It's moving. So stage two could jump to stage three and then pretty much, yeah, you're in trouble, like deep trouble. So straight away, the chemo radiation, we started the next week. And then the day before my first radiation treatment, he called it off because he said, that's a bit too hard. If I hit this so hard on you, and I need to hit quite hard on this before it, 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 you know, it went further, I need to cut it down because you will go deaf. You will lose your hearing sense. You will lose hearing tone. You go deaf if I hit this on you, but I need it too. So he reduces that again. So I managed to retain my hearing. I lost hearing like 30% or 35%. I still lost it. So I, you know, sometimes there's a one reason I don't pick up weddings anymore because I probably couldn't hear what you're trying to say. Um, so I still can hear. It's just not, it's just like, yeah, what did you just say? So, and sometimes it's quite offensive. People think that they just repeat it five times. Moving on from there, it, it was a very interesting journey because I've been shooting weddings or destination and all that for the past 15 years. And to know that I got to give that up, it's really hard because I love what I do. I'm passionate, you know, and I'm curious and I love to work with everyone and the experience that I gained, like, man, that's amazing. But the journey is this. When someone tells you, you got cancer, the first thing is yourself. You got to accept that, like, why me? Why, why, why should I get cancer, man? I mean, seriously, I think I've been a good boy. I think, you know, I didn't do anything bad. Like why, 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 why me? So that's when, that's why all the voices and all the magazine come to sort of connect the dots is that I went YouTube because I, I need to search for answers. I said, why me? So, and I saw this video of this guy who shared, it's a different video. He said, why not you? What makes you so special? You are not special. You are ratio, man. You are ratio. And then I start creating, you know, points for myself as well. I was like, okay, I'm a ratio. There is a certain percentage of people that will get cancer. It's not if, it's will. So maybe one in 15, I don't know. It could be less these days, maybe one in five. I don't know. But there is a ratio, say, even in the brighter side of things, maybe one in 20, one in 15, say one in 15 will get cancer. All right. That's a fact. And then I look at my family, my dad, my mom, my, my siblings, my friends, you know, my relatives and all that. I look at all that and look at that like, okay, I honestly live a life, like really push my boundaries. You know, I trust amazing weddings, make some amazing people. I travel to amazing places and experience that I had throughout my life, even before my work and all that. I, I had quite a bit. And if I were to go today, Man, I thankful it's me, not my kids, my wife, and and all that. So if 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 someone in a family within fifteen must take it, why not me? So I I accepted that fact that I'm thankful that it's me. 
And that's the start of my journey to, to, on the positive side of things. Yeah, I'm glad it's me. So from there, I start looking at like, okay, now what, how to make myself stronger now mentally. You need to accept the fact you got it first and thankfully accepted that. And then the next step is how do I move on from that? So I saw this video like you know, there's always someone worse off than you. Obviously, if you compare yourself with healthy people, they live forever. It, I mean, it's good, but I got to be real here because, you know, not everyone are that lucky in the way. So I found this guy, I think his name is Michael Crossland over east from uh, Sydney. I think I didn't know he was Australian then. But anyway, wow, his video was inspirational. I was like near the dark side. I'm like, gee, I'm not going anywhere here. Even to know the thought I'm thankful is still a tough mental game. He said he was young. Those days, there's experimental drug, his kid. And then out of 15 kids, 14 died already with the experimental drug. And even if he don't take the drug, he will still die. But with the drug, he will still probably die. But there's a few percent of hope. So the parents, they say the parents are going to make such a hard call to say that, to approve Use it on my child. My child will die, may die, but for 14 tried the drug and died earlier. So would you want to spend more time with your kid or would you want to try and maybe there's hope? So he is the exception. He tried and his parents make the hardest call in their life to let them inject that on him and he survived. And then it was a challenging journey and then cancer came back again and again and again. It's like when I look at that, like, come on. That's like stage four right there. I'm at stage one and now stage two. Yeah, I'm not progressing well. But he had it as a kid. He, you know, a young kid. He didn't experience life, take on the boxes and all that. So, man, you look at yourself. You're lucky to not, you know, to be at my age to experience things and to get that. So, so thankful again, thankful again, thankful again. It's like, okay, I think I got this and I know I'm going to hit chemo hard. So I went to work out, lose... Uh, <coughs> get my body ready for the impact. And yeah, it was a very challenging journey. And along the way, I ended up in a hospital a few times doing some stupid things that I've done or things I should not have done because I didn't you know, read the label medication that I nearly suffocate. I, I went to the hospital because I had fried chicken after chemo, which is probably not advisable because my kid <laughs> needed some fried chicken. So, because coming up from chemo, you, like I spent a few hours in the hospital and all that. I thought, oh, it's going to be fine because I didn't feel the impact yet. So kids say, oh, let's have, like, I'm not going to mention brands and all that. <laughs> it's not that it's a bad food. It's just not good for me at that time. So I went to there and had some fast food. And I said, oh, crispy chicken and the strips is really good. Man, I, that went crazy. I ended up in the hospital, a lot of complication. And they have this special passport for me. And they list down the thing. If any one of these 10 things happen to you, you wave this passport and go through an emergency ward. You'll be treated straight away, priority number one. Just one of this. <laughs> when I was going through it, sweating and, you know, you know, blood and bleeding and all that stuff, <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> three, four parts of it. Like, I think I need to go to the hospital. I'm not doing so well. Anyway, oh, that, no. that was a roller coaster ride. Yeah, and I went back a few times. And, yeah, I've been thankful for, you know, my journey. And without that, I don't think I'll, you know, learn so much about life and <laughs> probably my direction will be still doing what I love, but sometimes without a bigger purpose. So I guess it's a journey that I need to go through and to know the pain, to feel the pain. I, you know, I feel that it's not just a physical thing. It's such a mental thing and it sort of toughened me up a bit as well. 
So yeah, that is sort of a compressed version of yeah that journey. You, in our previous episode, you talked about finding the positive even in the hardest times. What do you think cancer taught you other than being grateful for life? Uh, cancer taught me to... <laughs> To have a balance in life, that's number one. It doesn't matter how successful you are in whatever field that you do. It's about having a balance in life with a family and your goal in life that you want to achieve. And to also have like a very clear end goal. Like say, if I'm still shooting Destination Wedding for the nearly another five years or whatever years that I want to do, you keep doing it. It's not, a, I won't call it a rat race because you still enjoy what you do, you're passionate about. But what's, the, what's your end goal you want to achieve? So for me, I have experience. I've done this, I've done that. But what I want to do at the end of the, you know, what I want to, I would say leave a legacy behind. It's a bit big. It's more to what can I help? And given a second chance of life, I feel that I need to give back because I feel that if I don't, use this opportunity to help others in the community or I do a lot of pro bono work and all that. I, I, I do what I need to do because I feel that the moment I stop doing that, maybe I'm not needed so much in the world. So I'll probably taken off again. So I need to pursue my dream in a direction where I could benefit and help others as well. It's not just my dream now. It's like what I can give back, what I can inspire that's where the message of the book and all that comes in play, where I feel that I want to share the voices in my head and, and all the inspiring people's head to others to help someone who probably going through this or worse or yeah, in a, along that that, that, that that line to to yeah, get off the edge and yeah, to to find a positive way of looking at things and to understand that how you connect the dots to find your path, like I just mentioned, like loosening the grip, you get off track and all that. Yeah, that's all that's going to happen. So just you need to figure that out. So that that cancer journey opened up my mind to a lot of things. But in summary, like, yeah, good balance and purpose in life just got really clear very quickly. Some people take forever to figure out. Some people take 50 years, 60 years to figure that out. What's my true purpose in life? Well, I got that really quickly because when you got so little time, you start thinking quick. So I start mm. thinking really quick. Like This is where I want to see myself, what I see myself doing. So yeah, and that is, wasn't in my plan earlier. It became my plan. It's beautiful how you say you want to give back. And I know you speak to the soul of a lot of people. And we read in your bio where you said, colors are the language that speak, is the language that speaks to the soul. Could you talk a little bit more about your fascination when it comes to colors and how they have the power to evoke emotions? I would say it, it's sort of, now, whether we like it, like what you're wearing, purple, you know, and I, yeah, like I wear black, but my favorite color is navy for, you know, whatever that is. Now, everyone have a different color of preference that make them happy, make them feel at home, make them feel at ease. And every color could change along the way sometimes. Like, you know, I have enough of blue now and try a different color. Yeah, we, we, we pivot, we, we change, you know, colors along the way. So it could change at evolving stage. But when I, and at a certain point, you will know what color you like. So sometimes you feel that, for example, you rock up to office like, oh, it's a corporate office. Everyone wear dark and moody and sad and 
corporate and serious. And then this lady come in with yellow, like bright yellow. And like it, what happens with everyone's eyes? It lit up everyone's eyes. And some could in a bad way, some good way. It doesn't matter what way. It did light up people's life. It suddenly everyone just wake up like, whoa, that's bold. Or a man just walk in there in a pink suit. Like, what? You know, that's bold. And, and, and it, it, it could be a topic of conversation. It could change the conversation altogether. Like, we are talking about, oh, you know, the law about this, you know, the, the, the political background. Did that guy just wear a pink suit? So it, it sort of changed the mood and the flow of the day of, or the mindset of that people or the person at that point of time. So colors have impact on people when we look at it like they, you know, when I ask some people where I interview, they say, oh, blue is good because when I think of blue is a color of the beach, the ocean, the sky, it relaxes me. So everyone is connected different colors. So I wanted to bring that up because it sort of relates to mental health as well, resilience as well. Being in the right place, being in the right time is not just words. It's not just visually, you know, creative uh, portrait. It's also about when you look at the color certain point of time where you say you feel down, you don't want to look at black, you know, maybe so, or maybe dark color, you want to do something bright in your, your, your life, like a sunny color, you know, whatever that, that is that you like, even purple sometimes, because, you know, it, it could mean about, you know, mental health. So although there is a definition about color, the meaning behind the colors, it's not exactly that meaning sometimes because everyone's different, look at colors different because sometimes you probably have a phobia for certain colors because when you're young, this happened to you and it's that color. So it's like, I don't want to deal with that anymore. So everyone's different. So I like to bring the element of colors just to give it a bit, a bit more variety and to be a holistic approach uh, or comprehensive approach to more angles to look at, yeah, resilience, mental health and all that inspiring stories that you can relate more with because I could say blue is my favorite color and like, wait, that guy is blue too. So I like to, you know, maybe connect. I mean, maybe the word is that, ex that is extra one dot to connect. That's extra mm. one dot to connect. So that color is just one more. Yeah. And how do you incorporate colors in your personal life to enhance your mental well-being? Oh, I never actually planned in any way to say, I'm going to wear this, I'm going to do this to enhance, use color to enhance myself. But what, how it enhanced me is when I look at the people around me, when I go out there and look at buildings or things that is sort of inspiring me, me sometimes in a creative way, when I look at say cool murals with punchy colors, or, you know, maybe even look at the construction worker with those, uh, you know, bright, PPE attire and just like, whoa, that's pretty bright, but wait a minute, look at the orange cones. If I can use that on my certain uh, aspect of my website, I mean, you just get inspiration from different colors. I don't put the colors on myself to get out there. I open up my mind and my heart to absorb the colors around me to use that to give me inspiration and maybe occasionally a bit of a positive vibe and all that. But yeah, sometimes it's, for me, colors inspires me because yeah, again, there's a lot of ways you can look at it, a spectrum of colors, like spectrum in life and all that. There's a lot of angles you can look at it. It's how you want to perceive that. So yeah, I guess, but personally for me, it's inspiring to just look at different colors and yeah, get reminded of certain things as well. Yeah. This being said, I would love to talk about animals now. You okay. have two bunnies. 
Could you share yes, do. how do you experience their presence and how do they help you in the, your life? Maybe even when it comes to your well-being and to find your balance between work and family. All right. I need to get this um, straight up. Um, I wanted a dog, but um, <laughs> I'm not really good at taking care of dogs. And yeah, man, there's a lot of cleaning up and I know that a lot of training, which I don't have time. So, and my kids love dogs too, but they're you know, not getting dogs to too much to too much effort to maintain. So a rabbit will be, you know, quiet and cute and fluffy and huggable and all that stuff. So we got rabbit because my daughter said, I want rabbit. So we got rabbits. Um, at first I'm like, ah, oh, just another pet to clean up. I love pets. Don't get me wrong. I just be realistic as someone going to clean up all that mess after that. But I mean, rabbits somehow, they are, everyone's, every animal is different. Like dogs are friendly. They hug you. They give you a sense of belonging or, or friendship or whatever you, you have that. But bunnies, bunnies, they don't get really close to you. Like, you know, you can watch the movie, there's a snow white, oh, the animals jump on you. It doesn't work that way in reality. They don't come to you. They just stay there. Uh, but they are so calming and they just, yeah, just sit down there and just look at you. It's like, you are their part, their movie. They're, they're, they're watching you as you're watching them and it's sort of vice versa. And then when you, you hug them with fluffy hair and all that, a fur and all that, oh, it's, it's, it's relaxing and because you, Well, I seldom see them panic unless you hear a big sound and a plane fly past and then they just jump around. But normally, like 99% of the time, they just sit there. They are so calm with their eyes open. Sometimes they don't even know they're sleeping. So it helps you in a way that sometimes when you feel like, you know, and your energy is a bit low, you know, you just look at them. And yeah, I just find it quite calming. I think it helps my family more than myself, to be honest, because I'm working a lot. When I see the kids play or my wife like just huddle the bunny, I feel, I don't know, it just gives a sense of relaxation. It just gives you a sense of place or, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like a complete part of the family, I guess, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful to hear. Yeah, animals really have this gift to give us peace and to calm us. And it's, and just to give us, as you say, like to complete our family. And it's, yeah. uh, it's great that you, and I do really agree when it comes to a dog, it's, it's a responsibility where when getting a dog, yeah. you need to be really responsible and know, okay, do we yeah. have as much as we love dogs? Do we have the time capacity to be yeah. great dog parents? And yeah. if it's a no, then it's sometimes also better to get a pet that maybe leads a little bit less maintenance. And we yeah. usually finish all episodes with animal related questions. So I have three of them for you. Okay. Number one, yeah. if your bunnies could express themselves through art, what kind of artists do you think they would be? I would say they are street photographers because they observe and they probably capture in their eye because everything moves around them. They don't move much, at least in my home. So yeah, I think... Yeah, street photographers are good observers and capturing, you know, creative composition from there and all that, the light for them, because, you know, we are in their view and we move, we do all things, we have our thing, playing with kids, watch movie, and they are just observing all of it as we are doing the same. It's like we are the aquarium for them and, and they, they are capturing what they want to capture. So, yeah, I think sort of a street photographer would be good for them or they are 
maybe yeah along those lines yeah and if you could ask your bunnies a question what would it be oh that's a hard one what actually makes them happy because i don't know i assume like maybe cuddle maybe they hate cuddling you itch stop cuddling me i don't like your scent or the way you cuddle and the way you all so it's good to know that yeah what i like to do is say maybe they just say just give me space or you know i like to jump on you i whatever i mean it's good to know that what makes them happy and we can help them mm. <laughs> and what is one of the reasons you are grateful for your bunnies one of the reasons i'm grateful for my bunnies well besides they complete my family to make make me feel like at home because we went to travel once and we had to leave our bunnies somewhere else and as much as bunnies don't make a lot of noise or at all they seldom make noise they are there but they're not there but i still feel the presence somehow and it feels lively it feels like sometimes you know where kids grow up they leave the house you know and and they go to school and my wife is alone last time and all that so there's a certain kind of loneliness sometimes you feel that the, the, the home is just an echo and all that but when you have some pets say bunnies and they don't make noise at all but you know that there sometimes you just look at them it, it sort of gives you a bit of comfort i guess so yeah i feel that that is why i feel you know it's really important to have that even you know it, it's really quiet animal and all that pet but yeah i feel that it, it I think even if it's not a rabbit, they have a fish or whatever pet you have, it sort of completes you because sometimes we need a quiet pet, but still be there for you. Maybe it's some sense of like someone's there for you, but they are not, you know, in a way, listener, they are listener. Mm. Not a talker. Sometimes you just two people talking, you talk with a partner, you talk with someone. You just need a listener. Now, I'm not really a good listener at times, and I get that, and I think sometimes, but but bunnies or, or some pets, or at least you think they are listening. So when you need someone to talk to, they are there to listen. And Ben, can I ask you for two or three sentences about our podcast, please? I like the connection we built, and I feel that the connection we have, the the, the stories that I share, hopefully could inspire someone uh, or relate to, with, with someone to know that maybe through the cancer journey or through the stories that I shared or the, you know, some of the quote that I recorded from someone, I feel that that is very, you know, again, hopefully that could save a life. So what I like about what you do is coming up with a question to help people open up and similar to teaching sometimes the more you share, the more you teach, the more you learn about yourself. So what you're doing here, I'm actually learning more about myself or reminding more about myself about, hey, I had cancer last time. Sometimes I forgot, I take things for granted. I forgot about the balance in life and all that. So by having this conversation and, or interview, yeah, it, it reminds me a lot about, you know, what I need to do and yeah, even like what I mentioned earlier, that some of the words you use like sort of reminded me of what I should be doing and inspires me. So, and maybe give me the right words to use sometimes. So yeah, I never thought of it in this uh, uh, that I could use because it sort of uh, define what I do clearer rather than, you know, putting so many words together. So yeah, I learned a lot with just this conversation that we have here. And thank you so much. And thank you for your time. And most of all, for really opening up and 
giving us such a great insight into your journey and how you overcome struggles and how you really always nurture and foster gratitude in your life and how you just followed your heart's calling. And it's really inspiring. And I'm sure a lot of people loved it. Thank you. And really appreciate you having me today. And yeah, hopefully our path will cross in the future face to face one day. Who knows? For sure. It's a wrap for today, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. If you loved our conversation, please share it with your family and friends. Don't forget to tag us. And we're excited to see you next Wednesday.